0: Track smack with Don Hall. Smackcast. Hello everyone, this is Mike Hague with Race Day San Antonio and welcome back to another edition of TrackSmack here on TrackSmackRadio.com. Today's show is called the Smackcast Edition and we are featuring what happened on Wednesday night at the NASCAR All-Star Race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Well, it was the sport's reigning most popular driver, Chase Elliott, who earned his first NASCAR All-Star Race win on Wednesday night at Bristol Motor Speedway. Elliott led 60 of the 140 laps en route to the $1.1 million paycheck. He and his father, Bill Elliott, joined the father-son combination of Dale Earnhardt and Dale Earnhardt Jr. to have won the sports midseason All-Star Expedition. Chase Elliott's dad, Bill Elliott, won the race when it was held back in Atlanta. And Chase's victory at the half-mile Bristol, Tennessee short track are the only two times the event has been held at a track other than Charlotte Motor Speedway. Now, Chase Elliott's margin of victory was clocked at 4.18 seconds over second-place finisher Kyle Busch. Now, Kevin Harvick finished third followed by Team Penske's Brad Keselowski and 2020 Daytona 500 winner Denny Hamlin. Ryan Blaney, who led a race-best 72 laps, finished sixth. His Penske teammate Joey Logano, Alex Bowman, Eric Amarola, and Martin Trix Jr. rounded out the top ten. Now in today's SmackCast edition, we have the driver interviews from the post-race press conference. We're going to hear from Matt DiBenedetto, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, and the winning crew chief, Alan Gustafson. First up today is Matty D. Here we go.
1: Good deal. We are now joined by Matt Benedetto, driver of the number 21 Menards FVP Ford. For Wood Brothers Racing, we're going to go straight into questions. We're going to start with Jeff Megalichetti. Go ahead with your question, Jeff.
2: Hi, Matt. Congratulations. As one of the first users of the Choose Cone, I guess, what was your thoughts on it, and what made you pick that lane prior to the final 15-lap restart? Yeah, I, I thought the Choose Cone was, uh, was awesome. Executed well went smoothly nascar i think did a really good job of making it where it's very clear cut so you have to make a clear decision so no it's great i, I think it, we could do it more often so i was happy with that and uh, uh glad we chose the outside on that last restart i just cu- i couldn't get a good launch um but i knew if i could uh, clear him off of two uh, i
1: would be good and smooth sailing so we hung on for it our next question is going to go to bob pokris go ahead with the question bob
3: yeah matt just what does this mean to you in the sense bristol was a place where you had one of your biggest uh Days of your career just to kind of capitalize on this moment. Oh man, this is big! I've, I'm really, uh, really excited to be able to compete in my first
2: All Star race, and not only that, but uh, doing it for uh, the Wood Brothers team makes us extra special. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't so. Um, and having all our, you know, our great sponsors that have uh, helped to give me the opportunity to race in my first All Star race, you know, driving the Menards FBP Mustang tonight, a Motorcraft Quick Lane Ford, and all these folks that allow me to finally had my chance to compete in my first all-star race, man. I I know I keep saying that's really cool.
3: And was the final stage a little bit tamer than what you thought it was going to be. Um,
2: I was just praying for no caution. (laughs) Once we got the lead, uh, I I was really hanging on for dear life. We were really, really loose getting in the corner. Um, I was, I mean, right on ragged edge. So that was everything I had. Uh, so I was praying for no caution. I was surprised there was no caution. Thank goodness. Um, because uh, I needed to break out to as much lead as I could and build that lead because I was basically just hanging on all those last few laps. We were so free.
1: We have time for one more question. Anybody else have a question for Matt Benedetto before we cut him loose? Matt, congratulations, racing your way into the NASCAR All-Star Race, and good luck with the rest of the evening. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Take care, buddy. We are now joined by Kyle Busch, driver of the number 18 M&M's Toyota Camry for Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, Kyle, walk us through that uh, uh, All-Star Race from your perspective.
4: I mean, it was all right, I guess, um, you know, certainly wish we had some more speed and some more agility in our M&M's Toyota to be able to get ourselves further up front, closer to the front. And uh, we we're making some time, making some, some spots there a little bit um, coming to that last 15 lap run. And I think if I could have got Brad and then, um, you know, maybe restarted where Brad did on the inside lane, I don't know, maybe, maybe things would have been a little bit differently. I wouldn't have had to pass Brad and the 12 um, and, I don't know. I, I had plenty of time to get there. So what am I joking? Um, just, I don't know. That's about, that's about all we had. You know, it just feels like, um, running real hard, trying real hard and, um, doing all I can with, uh, with the four tires underneath
1: me. Okay. Well, we're going to open the floor up for questions. If you have a question, please raise your hand in the participants queue. We're going to start with Bob Pocras. Go ahead, Bob.
3: Yeah. Kyle, with a short race like that and only 20 cars, uh, is it, is it Kyle? Was it, lack up traffic that kind of made it difficult to catch the leader or should they just not have traction compound for a track for a race like that where you know the top group's never going to come in
5: um
4: yes and no I mean I think um I I think we could have done without the traction compound and just left it the way it was before getting here and just seeing what what happened you know I don't know that we've run here without the traction compound in the last little bit and uh this is the lower downforce package so you tend to slide around a little bit more so you're going to search for that grip so guys would venture up to the top but if the top then becomes the top groove then then what do you do then how do you pass that's why we we put the stuff down on the bottom was to try to get that old-fashioned bump and run but um you got to catch a guy to be able to bump a guy so uh when there's no catching him um you know there's no bumping them. so i don't know what the the rest of the space looked like behind me as far as how well or how separated the rest of the field was but uh, it seemed like once we got strung out, it was just strung out.
2: I'll go next. I think he was calling me on me anyway. It's Jeff Gluck Kyle. Um, we haven't we haven't got a chance to talk to you um too much recently about your season um this This race seemed you know somewhat reflective of that where you're you're just trying so hard and you can't quite get there what What's your mentality been like lately fighting through all this and and trying to get speed that you know you're not used to the performance you're having? Yeah, it's
4: tough. You know, we're we're struggling right now. There's just no speed in our race cars for some reason. I don't know what's going on. It just, um, you know, you got to drive 10. It, it seemed like tonight, even when we were mired in 10th, I was driving 110% giving it everything I had just to maintain where the hell I was, you know, and, and that's not going forward. That's normally not indicative of, of us, Joe Gibbs Racing, Toyota or whatever, you know. Um, so it's, it's certainly been frustrating this year and it seems like anytime I fall into a rhythm and I just back up myself just a little bit to 90, 95%, I'm going backwards, you know, I'm getting past and I'm getting slowed down. And, um, you know, so it's just, you, you, you can't, you can't run at a hundred percent all the time, every lap, but when you do you start making mistakes. And so, um, you know, we, we've just been run into a lot this year too. When we've, when we've had nothing happening we just get run into, and then, uh, those are bad finishes as well. So I, I don't know, we can chalk it up to a whole bunch of things, but, um, Lack of a better term, as we got to be faster.
6: Uh, next, we're going to go to Jordan Bianchi with the athletic.
5: This race, first time ever on a short track. Would you like to see it continue to be at a short track, or on a rotating basis, or do you want to see it go back to Charlotte?
4: Um. Yeah. I mean, it it, it don't matter to me. Uh, it can rotate. That's fine. Charlotte's close to home, but it hasn't put on the uh, the most dramatic and best finishes out there lately. Um, unfortunately, for Bristol, with um, with with tonight, it it didn't seem to produce all that much excitement either so my bad um we'll have to find something else that will I guess keep going
6: next we're going to go to Daniel McFadden
7: uh Kyle what what, what are you what was your reaction to how um the choose rule worked, worked tonight do you think kind it work out for you
6: yeah
4: I mean I think it was okay um it was kind of interesting how it played out how a few guys took to it um what it did you know it seemed like a lot of times guys were restarting kind of in their positions you know maybe one off here or there but not not a whole lot different um there was a time where I think there was like four or five guys that chose the outside and there was one guy on the inside so I went ahead and took that inside that inside spot and I think I netted out back even again you know so uh the inside here tonight for whatever reason even though the inside is the preferred groove once you get going it's such a detriment when you fire off I don't know why it's just weird but um, you know, it was um, – I thought it worked. I thought it worked well, went well, and um,
8: maybe we'll see it happen more.
6: Next, we're going to go to Mark Garrow with PRN. Uh,
8: thank you. Kyle, you spoke a moment ago with Jeff Bluck about your season and how you've been good but not quite good enough. Have you had this kind of season before, this kind of feeling before, like you spent the whole year just kind of one step behind or at least most of the season one step behind? uh yeah 2014 was really close to this we struggled
4: super bad when we came out with this new body style the gen 6 body style so uh we were pretty bad as a company at jgr that year we only won one non-restrictor plate race and that was myself at california the, the rest of us didn't win at all so that was for sure a frustrating season and uh, unfortunately i don't have a win yet uh, but it feels just like that year and um man i i don't know what's going on where it's at or whatever but um You know, we do have six second-place finishes, I think, four, five, six, whatever the hell it is, and we've been close a couple times, but then many of the other races we're just getting run into. Um, You know, we we have had flat tires and had gone two laps down and tried to do the right thing and drive it back to pit road and not cause a caution, and then it penalizes us in the day. So now I understand why those guys do that. Um, You know, but other than that, just, um, you know, you get run into by a guy that shouldn't even be pitting on the same pit lap as you, I think, at Talladega. Um, I mean I can keep going, but, but no point in that. Just uh we gotta fight harder and do better and that's all there is to it.
8: How did you come out of it in 2014? Do you feel like you made it out by the end of the year? Did it roll into 2015 before you really start started to see the benefits of, of working so hard during the struggle?
4: Uh so when we fired off the fifteen season, I was injured. So I was watching from home and I was seeing that we were still kind of slow, you know, the eleven, the nineteen, the twenty, they weren't quite there yet. And then Martinsville, they all ran really good. And then when I came back Charlotte time, a few weeks later, it started to kind of click and everybody started to go in the right direction. And then we won four or five times. And then it seemed like Matt won a couple, Denny won a couple, and uh, it's Carl won a couple. It started to go then, you know? So it took us a good year and a half in order to get back up to the top of the circle. And um, I, I don't know if that's what we're on right now. I certainly hope not, but um, it's, it, it's definitely frustrating. Trust me, it's not very fun where we're at. And, um, you know, I know everybody's, kicking themselves and,
9: um, and trying to do all they can to work harder and be smarter.
6: And we'll wrap up with Kyle with Jacob Seelman.
9: Kyle, uh, you were talking a minute ago about uh, the, this race ended up lacking the dramatics that I think a lot of people were hoping for. Was it a case of your car just lacking a little bit at the end, or was it you know, hard to pass in a similar way as we've seen in years past with the all-star race at Charlotte? Uh, yeah, no, it was,
4: it was difficult to pass for me, for my car. I had trouble, um, being back in 10th. I had a hard time being able to make moves and pass guys. Um, you know, once that outside lane kind of worked a little bit, then I got a little bit better at being able to make some moves, but not great still. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what, um, what would have made it better. I was the closest to the nine. It didn't seem like anybody else was going to get any closer than I was. So, um, it was, it was left up to me to try to put on, a race and get there and and make it a a battle there towards the end. But I just, I just didn't have enough. I couldn't get there.
6: All right, Kyle, thanks for joining us tonight. Good luck this weekend. All right. We are now joined by Kevin Harvick. Uh, Before we get into asking questions, Kevin, why don't you just take us quickly through uh, your run there in the all-star race?
10: Yeah, it was, um, it was okay. We were on all sides of the, of the handling and, you know, just never really, never really got that right. Had a, had a good, um, you know, a good strategy there at the end, just took a couple laps too long to, uh, to get past, you know, some of the cars that we needed to pass, just needed a couple more laps to, to catch the leaders. But, um, you know, just weren't going to beat the nine, you know, heads up where we were running third or fourth or whatever it was without doing something different. And a bunch of them, a bunch of them didn't do anything but stay out and, and wound up having to pass a couple more than we needed to. But, um, you know, other, other than that, our, our, um, our Bushlight Apple Ford was, was okay. And, and just uh, came up a little short. All right,
6: we're going to go to questions now. We'll start with Jeff Gluck.
10: Sorry to have a question.
6: Okay, next we'll go to Mark Garrow.
10: Uh
8: thank you, uh, Kevin. What did you think of the whole night? Uh, having the fans back and the and the energy that that seemed to bring to the race. Did it feel different? What did What did you think of the night?
10: Yeah, you know, I thought you know having the fans back is obviously what we what we all want, and, and having that energy back in the stands was was definitely fun to hear. Um, you know, and fun to be a part of. So, um wish that we would have had a couple more lanes to race in. I think if if the only thing I would I would like to see different, you know, if we if we did that, uh if we raced here again, was you know run all the other races so that the track was um, you know 100% run in, so you could so you could run all over the racetrack. But um it would definitely was nice to have some energy back in the racetrack.
6: Next, we're going to go to Jordan Bianchi.
3: Uh, kind of a follow up to that, Kevin. <clears throat>
10: Excuse
5: me. Would you like to see the All Star race continue here at Bristol? And did this race tonight fulfill
10: expectations? Do you think? Um, you know, I'd like to see it moved around. I don't. I don't think it should stay in, in one spot. You know, I think um, you know we could definitely you know have the track prepared better. You know, if if we did uh, race here again, you know they didn't even heck they didn't even clean the outside lane one time. So it uh, never really never really had a chance to even to even. Uh, get high enough to um, you know to get that that lane to come in you know the second lane came in a couple you know a couple cars made a little bit of ground but you know the bottom was just so dominant that um, you know you you had to run most of your laps down there
6: next we're going to go Daniel McFadden
7: Um, so how do you think the the choose rule played out tonight how did it it affect the racing at all on the restarts for you
10: well, you know, I think that the thing that it does is it just takes all the question out of you know where everybody is and and who's where and and you know when you get to that line, everybody's already made their choice and there's no there's no um, there's no funny business of of you know people trying to start in a different lane or uh, do something that that they didn't that they didn't choose to do. So I think I think that went really well and and uh, you know for for the most part, I don't think there was any issues.
6: Next, we're going to go to Chris Knight.
10: Hey, Kevin. Um... The all-star race
11: was 46 minutes and 19 seconds and only 140 laps. Do you think it was too short in order to create what it was the all-star race was intended to?
10: Um. Yeah, I don't know that I'm the right guy to ask that. You know, I think as, as you, um, you know, I think a, a short race and you look at last week, you know, for the most part it wasn't a very good race and, and, you know, you had a great finish. So, you know, I think it all depends on, um, you know, how all that goes and, and you know, I think tonight Chase Elliott winning makes it, makes, it, makes it a better race <laughs> um, just because, you know, he's, he's obviously, um, you know, the most popular guy here. And, and, you know, it's good for all of us when, when Chase wins. So, you know, I think when, when you look at that, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know that the, the time really matters. I think it's, um, like, like I said earlier, I think the track could have been um, prepared and taken care of differently uh, than, than it was tonight to allow, you know, for that top lane to, to come around.
6: Next, we're going to go to Zach Sterniolo.
7: Kevin, you've been consistent on Chase uh, needing to, to win more regularly in the past. Um, and for for him to win this all-star race tonight in front of the fans, what do you feel like that does for the momentum of uh, – I don't know if it does anything for the momentum of the sport, but um, just to, to have that kind of moment uh, with the fans back here.
10: Um, you know, obviously, like I just said, you know, I think when Chase wins, it's, it's good for all of us. So, um, you know, obviously – um yeah that's that's a good thing
7: and uh to follow up uh obviously the other new thing tonight was the underglow did that have any effect um on or did it was it weird seeing that in the cars in
10: front of you um i wish mine would have fallen off (laughs) the only person the only person that i talked to that thought that that underglow light was good was my eight-year-old so um you know hopefully the kids liked it because that was that was uh it was definitely something that, that is, I'm, I'm way out of that age group for the, for the uh, I guess you call it the underglow light.
6: Next, we'll go to Dustin Long.
11: Thank you. Um, Kevin, you talked about the track prep uh, tonight. I think there were some questions in regards to track prep last week at, at Kentucky. Um, is there a concern with what's happened here this past week? And is there a worry going into Texas this weekend where track prep certainly can play an important role in that event?
10: Yeah, I mean, you're definitely dependent on, you know, the, the guys taking care of the racetrack. And, and you know, I think when, when we, um, we definitely went to Charlotte and, and the track prep was, didn't, didn't seem, you know, like the PJ1 was um, you know, what it had been the last couple of years. It seemed like, uh, you know, when we started at Kentucky, um, you know, the track prep obviously wasn't very good for the Xfinity cars, dust flying everywhere. And, you know, the, the top was just nasty, dirty tonight and, and really no chance to uh, to ever even run up there. So, yeah, I mean, the, the track prep piece of it, you know, just, you know, last week we, we showed up on race day and, you know, the PJ1 was, was put on the racetrack, um, you know, with, without anybody knowing. So uh, definitely, yeah, I think you have to be concerned with it going to Texas because it just hasn't been, you know, the, the same as, as what it was last year.
11: And what? So, what's the lesson of this week, or what to to avoid? What's happened maybe tonight and last week at Kentucky? What needs to be done to avoid that this weekend at Texas?
10: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think um, you know the one thing that lacks there is practice. So, I think everybody's kind of guessing at, at what's right and what's wrong. Um, but the track was was definitely not ready to race last week at Kentucky when those guys took off in in the Xfinity race. Um, you know, and tonight there was just there was no chance that the top group was going to come in. I mean, there was enough stuff up there that that um, you if you if you drove up there it was going to take you two or three laps to uh, to get to get clean back up so you know just it just wound up wound up uh, not being able to push it high enough you know we still had a second group but you know i think a lot of people uh, had the expectations that the bump and run was was going to come into play tonight but you know when the top when the bottom has that much grip um, you know then it then it becomes you know kind of an aero game which it came you know kind of became tonight thank you
6: Yep. We've time for one more quick question from jacob Seelman.
9: kevin you kind of alluded to it and i'll follow up on what dustin just asked uh yeah i know everybody was really hoping that this race move into a short track was going to give that dramatic that you know game seven type of a moment uh we didn't see that was the track prep you feel like and the lack of that outside lane was that the deciding factor
10: well you just didn't you didn't have any options you know to to move around and and you know make your car do different things and and, you know, a lot of times if you can't run the bottom, you move up to the top and, it, you know, it seems like a, the cars have a better chance to to fix the problems that they had. And, um, you know, with the short race tonight, you know, not having a, an option besides the bottom, just you just kind of took took all those uh, all those things away of, of tools that you had to uh, to try to race, um, you know, and make your car faster. And tonight the nine hit it. And, you know, he just he had the dominant car in the, in the lane that we had available.
6: Awesome. Well, Kevin, thanks for joining us tonight, and good luck this coming weekend at Texas. Thanks. All right. We are now joined by our race winner, Chase Elliott. Uh, Chase, before we go to questions, why don't you just start off by uh, running through your uh, All Star race win there for us?
12: Yeah, just a uh, you know super special night, um, a special event. You know, any any race is hard to win, but but this is a special race to win. Uh, something that locks you in the All Star race for life, and and that's. Um, that, that's extremely special to join Dad and and winning this race, uh, means a lot to me as well. Um, just just a big thanks to all our partners: Unifirst, uh, Napa Hooters, Kelly Blue Book, Mountain Dew, uh, Chevrolet, uh, all our partners that that make this go around. They um, you know, they've stood by us through some you know some some not so uh, not so spectacular years. Uh, so we've had a rough couple weeks, and uh, we ruined Mister Hendrick's birthday on Sunday by running uh, pathetic. Uh, so it was really nice to uh, slightly make up for that tonight.
6: Awesome. We're going to go to questions. Uh, we'll start with Bob Pachris.
3: Yeah, Chase, you had a really good car back in May at Bristol. I mean, was the car just as good tonight? Was it better? How would you kind of rate it?
12: Uh, to be honest, I, I think it was a little bit better. I think we improved our car, at least for the short run. You know, the the spring or the race a few weeks ago i felt like was consisted of more long runs than it did short runs but the short run came down to the very end and i felt like that was our that was our weak point in that event um so we put a lot of emphasis emphasis in trying to be better on the short run and and i think that uh, i thought we hit it really well tonight
3: and on those in that last segment are you kind of looking in your mirror and saying when am i gonna get bumped when am i gonna When's somebody gonna try to wreck me for this thing
12: yeah i mean for, you you don't uh I think you have to expect that, you know, in, in any event, uh, you know, especially this one, though, there's no points on the line or anything. Uh, but, you know, the the goal is to get far enough away where they don't have that option. So, it uh, luckily, it worked out that way tonight and got a good restart there at the end and was able to put together a good 15 laps to uh, to seal the deal.
6: Next, we're going to go to Mark Garrow.
8: Congratulations, Chase, uh, on the win. Um, you just alluded to a moment ago this being a big win. Just, just how big is it to you and why is it, so big to you
12: well I mean this is uh you know to me this is one of those prestigious events that that the cup series only has right I mean that this is this is a this is a special race on the schedule every year there's a lot of hype around it um and the other thing about it is you know it's something you have to race your way into um and luckily we we raced our way into this deal for life now so um you know that that means a lot you know to me it reminds me a lot of you know the the clash or, or something at the beginning of the year in in some ways, but I think this race is bigger than that because you're racing against the the very best of, over over recent times and in anybody's career. Um, you know, to they have locked themselves into this event, so you know to beat the best I think is uh, is always special.
8: And this race, the the only other time it was run away from Charlotte was Atlanta. Your dad won it, and now the the second time it's left Charlotte. So what does it mean to to uh, have a victory in this race, <laughs> just like your dad.
12: Yeah, you know, I didn't know that uh, until, or I, I knew that, but I, I didn't really put it together until Winston told me that there on the on the front straightaway. So that that's super cool, you know, to join. Uh, and then somebody told me upstairs a second ago that I think the only other family uh, duo to win to, to win the All Star race were, were the Earnharts. Um, you know, so anytime you can you can join them, and anything racing is very special. So. To join Dad and winning this event, um, heck, I mean that that that's uh that's not just special. I mean that that's that's a lot you know a lot of years and a lot of history for everything to come full circle like that. It's pretty dang cool.
6: Next, we're gonna go to Dustin Long.
11: Yeah, Chase. Um, Kevin Harvick was talking about uh, the challenges of the upper lane and just kind of how dirty it was, and kind of raised the question about track prep. And I also know there was, I guess, some co- concern about track prep uh, at Kentucky last week uh, from some. How concerned has it been the the track prep the last two races, and is there a concern going into Texas where that can be a, a factor as well?
12: Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, the track prep was no different today than it has been the past two or three years we've been coming here. Uh, the difference was the length of the event was just not long enough for us to, you know, uh, get the grip strip up off the bottom to where the momentum around the top became the dominating factor but you know look at the end of the day you know by the end of a 500 lap race the top is the place to be and at the end of a hundred and some odd lap race the bottom's the place to be so you know there's still a place to be so I'm not really sure that it matters
6: uh next we're gonna go to Marty Smith
5: Chase congratulations brother
10: uh I'm curious you said uh in addressing the victory on television that there's no feeling like watching those fans lose their mind for you after you've been successful like you were tonight. What's the difference from your perspective, from the the athlete's perspective of having that adulation at the end of an historic night for you versus what you guys have experienced without anyone there? What is that?
12: Yeah, you know, t- to me tonight felt like an-, an event again, and I feel like we've been we've been missing that piece for for a couple months. Um, and it just felt really good to get to get NASCAR back. I mean, the NASCAR is built on the fans, and uh, you know, once the race starts, it's hard to engage with them because you can't hear them. But you know, before a race, the atmosphere was energetic again. I felt like the I felt like the vibe was back, and I felt like that that fire and intensity in me was back. Uh, even more so than it than it has been, a piece that had been missing. And I think that's driven by the people, the cars pulling in, the, um, you know, the pre-race parties and everything that you see. Um, and I actually went up in the stands. I snuck up there with my mask on and watched the uh, – I watched the open from the back straightaway. And, you know, I'm looking around up there and I'm seeing all these – Uh, All these, you know, kids and families and and people wearing their respective drivers and a lot of nine gear. And and you just don't realize how much impact you have on people you've never met and you never will meet um, who, you know, genuinely want to see me do well. And they don't even know me, you know, and and, um, it's pretty dang cool to experience that. So I felt like I had a a special night sitting up there with them, uh, watching that open from, you know, from the grandstands. Uh, really seeing and and, and getting back uh, to to the roots of, of what, you know, the sport's built on, and then to engage with them after the race, just make, you know, to me, it
10: made it mean that much more. Fantastic. Congratulations. I appreciate you. Thank you.
6: Next, we're going to go to Jim Mutter.
8: Congrats, Chase. You also said after the race that um, you guys had struggled some. You've had some difficult races in the last several weeks. Uh, I just wondered, did you, did you guys feel like uh, as a collective unit at Hendrick that you were missing something the last several weeks or do you think it's more kind of a, just individual circumstances of the races?
12: Uh, I mean, you know, it, a little bit of both, uh, but we, you know, I felt like I was struggling. I wasn't, you know, doing a real good job giving good feedback. And, and you know, to me, good feedback is, is you know, giving a direction – uh, on the car and coming in and doing that and going back out and being better and my direction has not been pointing us in a better direction uh, and, and going faster these past couple of weeks so I just felt like I needed to kind of hit the reset button a little bit and uh, not overthink things and just do what I think feels right and you know, that, that's a hard thing to do all the time you know and, and you try to get better and you try to learn and uh, a lot of times you can you know take yourself down a road or this or that that uh, may not necessarily be benefiting you um, but we all want to improve. I certainly still have room for, you know, room for improvement. Tonight was uh, a great, you know, a great night for us. But I, I still think I can do better, and there's areas that, that I can improve on. So uh, I'm going to keep working on that.
8: And going back to the Marty's question, uh, how can the you must get an adrenaline rush off for a win like this compared to the one you had without fans? Is that I know that's not really something tangible but it must mean something going forward that you can take forward going for the rest of the
1: season.
12: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, what, what, you know, to me there, there is no more electric uh, environment uh, that we as NASCAR drivers can interact with than here at Bristol. I mean, we don't go to, there's no other racetrack that's like this that you're surrounded by the people watching um, all the way around the racetrack. So I don't think there's a better place to have people back for the first time than here. And uh, you know, I know it. You know, I know it was limited on how many people could come, but heck, it felt like, you know, they were sure were making a lot of noise for there to only be thirty thousand people here. So that was pretty cool.
6: Next, we're going to go to Jacob Smith. You're muted. Jacob, we'll come back to you in a little bit. Um, we're going to go to Davey Siegel.
12: Hey, Chase, um, what are you going to do with the money?
6: That's a great question.
12: Uh, Blaney was giving me a hard time about Mountain Dew earlier today, so I think I'm just going to send a truck to his house. And they're going to unload about 14 uh, pallets of Mountain Dew in his driveway this week and uh, see what he does with that.
6: Next, we're going to go to Andrew Kurland. Uh, Yeah,
12: Chase. Normally, we don't race mid-July at Bristol. Now, the night
2: race is pretty close in terms of temperatures. But did you notice anything different in the car, you know, tonight racing mid-July than you would at Bristol normally during the season?
12: Uh, To me, it felt like normal Bristol. I mean, this racetrack, I think, is really consistent. Um, from the standpoint of just the overall feel and and, and what it's like. So uh, I thought everything was was really uh,
6: very Bristol-esque. Next we're going to go to Zach Sterniola.
7: Chase, congrats on this win. This being the first real marquee win of your career, you've touched already on the significance of of what it means to win this event, but to have a marquee event on your resume now, um, what what kind of importance does, does that mean for you?
12: Well, it means a lot you know like uh you know i think that's why the the coca-cola 600 this year hurt so much you know the, the, those are those are big events and and you know this race is a big event the 600 the daytona 500 the brickyard uh the southern 500 all, all those races uh you know are, are just ones that i feel like when you get done racing and you can look back and say that you uh had had won something like that i think is uh is a special thing so that That's why Um, all wins are hard. I haven't, I've never had an easy one. So um, I can't say that any of them are any harder or easier than others. But, you know, uh, when I get done racing one day um, to look back and say that we won the all-star race, I I think will be a, be a special thing.
7: The underglow on the cars, did it, uh, what, what did it look like from your perspective? And and did it change anything for you? Was it just weird to see out there?
12: Uh, I didn't think it did much of anything, to be honest with you. It sure, didn't right. do anything. it sure didn't do anything for me.
6: Chase, we're going to read you um, Jacob Smith's question from Dawson County News. Jacob said, can you hear the sirens going off in Dawsonville tonight? What does it mean to you to bring this back to Dawsonville and the fans that have followed you your whole career?
12: Yeah, it's amazing. I, I can't wait to get home. Uh, I know it's late. I don't-, I don't know what time it is, but uh, probably not going to hear it tonight. But uh, hopefully somebody took a good video of it, and I can see it. it's such a special tradition that – um, you know, Gordon there at the pool room has carried on for, for me and, uh, you know, after, after doing it for my dad's career over, over the years. So, um, just proud that, that we were able to win and, and make it, uh, you know, make it happen.
6: Next, we're going to go to Daniel McFadden.
7: Well, Chase, so how did you, how do you think the choose rule played out tonight, tonight? How did it affect your race or the, the race in general?
12: Well, I think the choose rule's, uh, been needed for a long time. You know, I, I think it should be that way every week, um, you know, I don't I don't think there's really a reason to to not have it. Um, you know, that there, there's no reason to me why you shouldn't have the choice, uh, or you should be, you know, automatically told where you're gonna line up when one lane has an obvious advantage just based on where you come off pit road. I mean, to me that's not I mean, life isn't fair, I guess, but that's not uh it just makes way more sense to put it in our hands and You know, it either works out for you or you doesn't. And and if it doesn't work out, then it's your own fault, not, you know, not uh, the luck of the draw and where you come off the road.
6: Next, we're going to go to Jacob Seelman.
12: Uh,
9: Chase, you jumped out front there towards the final two stages, and pretty much once you took control of that race, uh, never gave it up again. How important you know get was getting out front and getting clean air. I know a lot of people were kind of hoping for that dramatic moment, but it felt a little bit like uh, how important it is on the on the intermediate tracks, like when this race was at Charlotte, especially in that last stage
12: uh, Well, I mean luckily we you know we were able to pass up through there uh, you know I think we had a really good Universe Camaro and and we were able to make some passes there at the beginning of the race. I just think our, our, you know, my my team did a really good job of hitting the setup really well Uh, for for running the bottom. You know, I don't know how it would have been if I'd ever had to move up, but um, yeah, I just think uh, the way it played out, you know, we were, we were faster on the bottom and we were able to get out front and control the race. And, you know, that that's nothing new. I mean, when, you know, somebody has a fast car and they get out front um, you know, it typically looks, like that i feel like so i was just glad it was us this time
6: and we're gonna wrap up wrap up with cole kusimano
7: hey chase congrats um how much of tonight's race can you apply to the playoff race um in the fall or was it maybe too small of a sample size to uh tell
12: no i i mean i think Bristol's bristol like i said a minute ago so uh we'll for sure think about what we had here a few weeks ago what we had tonight and try to be better when we come back congratulations
6: and thanks for joining us tonight
12: thank you have a good night
6: all right, now that Alan has slid into the picture, we are going to get started uh, with Alan Gustafson, the race-winning crew chief for tonight's uh, All-Star Race. Alan, why don't you uh, just start off and quickly run through the race from the top of the pit box for us there as we wait for uh, media members to queue up questions.
5: Yeah, so, um, you know, we started 13th, so we knew we had to pass some cars pretty quickly, and the uh, first Chevy was pretty fast, so he, he made some pretty quick ground there, and I don't remember where we got to after the uh, after the first 55, but uh, certainly somewhere in the top three. Um, yeah, and, and we knew we were going to pit there and, and, and get a read on the tires and, and get an adjustment on the car, so we did that. And then uh, the next 35 went pretty well, and he was able to get past Kevin and get the lead. Um, and that was probably the toughest decision of the night. Is just you know when you have the lead, you don't want to give it up here our plan had been to pit then, uh, and get tires, but with the lead, it made it a little bit more difficult, but we stuck to our guns there and pitted, um, worked out there. You know, I think Ryan was the only one who stayed out and, and Brad took two. And and fortunately for us, everything went smooth from there. I think having a tire advantage on those guys certainly paid off. And, um, you know, Kyle was getting pretty good there where I could see him making some ground. So he certainly made a push there at the end to make it interesting. But, uh, yeah, the car was good. Really happy. The pit stops were great. So just uh, about as, as, as smooth as a night as you could ask for.
6: Awesome. Well, we're now going to go to questions. Reminder, if you have a question, raise your hand in the participants tab. We're going to start with Bob Pockers.
3: Yeah, when you get there today and you see pretty heavy application of the PJ1 there on the bottom groove, it's a 20 car race, 140 laps. Are so you thinking, yeah, this is just going to be a totally bottom bottom feeder race?
5: Yeah, you know my experience with the grooves here is you don't really run the top in until you have to start lapping s- traffic significantly, right? That's that that's when you start running the top in is when you have to lap cars and and the leaders kind of get around, everybody gets strung out, and, and then there's you know have no option, and the faster cars ultimately will start running the top because they've got to uh, they've got to get through lappers, and and you know with it being as short as it is and. And, and knowing that uh, it's a short field and, and the chance of lapping cars, you know, we had planned on the bottom. Really, it, you know, having our car get on the bottom and, and having having good short run speed.
3: And it's a little bit hard for me to tell, but it looked like maybe you had Chase turn off the underglow lights for the pit stop. Um If yeah. you did, if you did, what was that? So that I guess was that so that your crew guys could see better, or was there something that you were concerned about? them hitting or doing something with that light on.
5: That's a secret, Bob. I can't tell you that. No, I'm kidding.
3: Uh, Yeah, we hadn't done it before, so
5: I didn't want to take a chance and and have the lights. Uh, You know, we didn't get the lights until, uh, you know, pretty late in the game, and we hadn't uh, had experience doing it. And and I don't think it would be a problem uh, ultimately, but certainly we weren't going to take that chance.
6: Next, we're going to go to Mark Darrow.
5: Thank you.
8: Congratulations, Alan, on the win tonight what does this win do for do for your team you were rolling there for a while hit a few bumps in the road what is what does this do for the team moving forward
5: um well it puts a million bucks in our bank account so that's always a good thing and uh certainly happy for Chevrolet and and Unifirst and uh you know everybody at HMS is you know works really hard and you know a win a win will will certainly lift lift everybody's spirits and and give you some momentum but um yeah, we gotta, we gotta get, we gotta, you know. I certainly wish this was a points race. We gotta get back on track, and um, ha- we've had a couple, couple races, you know, a stretch that haven't been the greatest for us. I do think we've had some pretty decent performance in our cars, and you know, the way it goes, sometimes you just don't get the finishes that you feel like you deserve, and, and that's certainly the case um, at Indianapolis and Kentucky, uh, in the first Pocono. So, yeah, we're gonna we're we'll work hard, and, and this doesn't hurt, and. Bristol's been a good track for us, and this was an opportunity for us to work on a few things uh, that we struggled with in the spring to, to be prepared when uh, we come back here uh, when it really matters.
8: For some of the races coming up, do you feel like you've got a pretty good string of strong tracks coming up? Do you feel like this momentum can kind of play over there and really have you gain some momentum as well in the points side of it, the, the official point races?
5: Yeah, I mean, we need to uh, – we, we've got some points to make up. We've slid a few spots. It's pretty close from second to fourth where we're at. Um yeah, to be honest with you, Texas and Loudon aren't, aren't two of our, our better tracks. Uh, those tracks we've circled to work hard on and, and try to improve, and I feel like we can. Uh, I think we learned some things from Kentucky we can take to Texas, so we're looking forward to putting that to use. And, um, you know, Loudon's a place that we need to work on. Um, but uh, we've had – some decent runs there, but you know, I wouldn't say that that we've got that one uh circled as one of our favorites, but uh, yeah, it's look man, anytime you can win, it's it's better. I don't know that it's going to be um, a, a huge step forward. You know, this track's so unique, I, I can't say that what we've done here is going to help Texas.
6: Uh, next we'll go to Andrew Curland. Hey,
5: Alan, congrats on the win
2: tonight. This is more of a you know overall season question after nascar returned you guys only have to bring really one car to the racetrack each and every weekend does that change how you prepare cars in the shop and do you have more time to focus on specific
9: cars bringing to the racetrack
5: yeah i mean to be honest with you i I don't think that if we had backup cars weekly we, we could do it with the schedule we've had and the way we're working split shifts and you know trying to keep the road crew um away from the shop crew as much as possible and um i just man it'd be just a a monumental task to do that with backup cars so uh, i think it's been a must you know i wouldn't say that it's put us in a better position to focus on the primary cars it's just you know kept that status quo or the way it was and and it and i don't think that us or really any of the teams could keep their head above water in this uh you know kind of COVID era and the schedule we've run with, with having to do two cars every weekend.
6: Next, we'll go to Dustin Long.
5: Alan, um,
11: kind of on, on, along those lines, uh, this is a, a middle of a stretch of four races in like 11 days. Uh, certainly, you guys did this earlier when the sport came back in May, but those were only at two tracks. Here, it's four tracks, four different tracks, four locations. Um, what are the challenges in, in, in this stretch uh, for you guys and, and, and how you're getting things prepared?
5: Yeah, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough uh, swing for sure with, uh, you know, Wednesday night race and and then a a Sunday race in Texas and then back in to Kansas on Thursday, you know, that's, that's tough. And then we've got some, uh, some, some double headers coming down the road. So certainly have to get those cars prepared. So yeah, we're full gas and, and, uh, you know, it's a lot of hours and it's it's a lot of prep and it's not going to be easy. And, Um, you know, we're, it's, it's one of those situations that you're, and I think I talked to you about this before we went back, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where you're just trying to keep the quality up and keep the cars as good as you can, uh, and, and try to find a way to improve, you know, throughout all that, which is, is difficult to do. So, um, it's going to be a tough stretch and, and I think that, uh, it'll be an opportunity to, to, uh, to, to make some ground on some people if you get it right.
11: I know it's uh it's about a month away but maybe the way this season's been a month is, feels like probably a year away but you guys will be racing on the Daytona road course and you haven't done that before. Uh, I'm curious uh the the challenges in getting ready for that or is that simple for you guys and it's just you just bring out your uh roval winning car and just run it there <laughs> and uh, be good with it.
5: Yeah, it's not simple. Um it's going to be difficult for everybody. You know, you're you're not going to have any references really. Um certainly there are some characteristics uh of the roll, but it's obviously a bigger, bigger oval and, and the speeds are gonna be higher and that infields that infield's you know pretty unique. And in my experience a million years ago, road racing there, it's uh you know, it's a it's a it's a track that's hard to get a hold of. So uh that infield's not the easiest to navigate and and to get the car hooked up on. So it's going to present some unique challenges and then certainly um the the speed of the banking and then the you know it's a it's a pretty you know dedicated true chicane unlike what we've run um at the roval so that'll be different i think for everybody to get a hold of and then uh you know we'll have to manage the speeds too so it'll be a very uh very unique uh uh, experience but I'm looking forward to it it'll be a fun challenge um, I, I really like that road course I hope the cars race well or I think they will um, so I hope it goes well obviously for us
6: I'm gonna go to Zach Sterniolo
5: Alan congrats
7: on tonight's win I'm I'm curious the significance to you of helping Chase get his first marquee win I know you guys were really close in the 600 uh, but to get a, a marquee win here tonight how significant is that for you and him
5: um you know to to win at Bristol's cool no matter when you do it, and you know to win the first all star race and you know pretty unique circumstances something that we haven't done before, so anytime you you can be the first at something uh you know you feel like you've done a good job and um yeah i mean it's 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 very satisfying for uh for all of us and and certainly uh you know I think chase is the best out there so Anytime we can, uh, we can help give him a, a car like we did tonight to showcase his talent, It's, it's very gratifying.
6: And we're going to wrap up with Daniel McFadden.
5: Alan, just, I'm wondering how did the choose rule play out from your
7: perspective? Uh, and how, what what kind of communication did you have with Chase on each restart about which, which lane to take?
5: Well, that's a great question. You know, we had some uh, statistical analysis of, of that and the effectiveness of the lanes and and we talked about it beforehand, and um, I think he used that information, I think, every time but once he kind of went against the grain. And, you know, we certainly leave that up to him. He knows, uh, you know, what the car is driving like and, and what the opportunities are. And, um, you know, I don't think it's a, it's a just absolute monumental change to the sport, but it is – you know, I've been I've been in this situation a lot of times where it's just really frustrating when you you get taken out of an opportunity to race for a win because of a, of a lane and and you know there are some tracks and and this is this is one of them that, that the lanes can get huge amount of disparity and and it kind of kind of sucks when you're you know second or third and you get stuck on the bottom and and uh, you know you end up seventh or eighth and don't get a chance to race for the win so um, I do think it gives a, you know an opportunity to make it a little bit more fair for the competitors, but I don't think it's going to be a monumental shift. You know, you're still, uh, it's probably going to affect a row or two, like what you saw tonight.
6: Awesome. Well, Alan, thanks for joining us. Congratulations on the win and good luck this weekend in Texas. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it.
0: And that about does it for today's SmackCast. Now the NASCAR cup series will resume its regular season on Sunday at Texas motor speedway with the O'Reilly auto parts 500 coverage begins for the event at 2 PM Eastern on NBC PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. For a full report of the NASCAR All-Star Race, be sure and check out my website, Race Day SA, for Race Day San Antonio. That's RaceDaySA.com, where I have all the results, pictures, and all the information you want to know about the All-Star Race on Wednesday night. Now, Don Hall and I will be back later in the week for another edition of TrackSmack. Be sure and check us out here on tracksmackradio.com. Hope everybody has a great week. Thank you for tuning in to TrackSmack, SmackCast. Check out more at tracksmackradio.com.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.